Every time smoke comes out of my nose, I feel like a dragon. <coughs> um, hello. Welcome back to the High Wrestling Podcast. It is the official return. The unofficial return was last night because I did a live watch of the Royal Rumble in spirit of the Royal Rumble retrospective. I went on the, for the past two weeks. <clears throat> I'll be unpacking that in this episode, but um, I took a break for the holidays. I feel like it's self-explanatory why I took a break for the holidays, um, but I hope everybody had a good Christmas, a good New Year's, um, and all of that jazz. I'm not really a holidays person, <clears throat> except Halloween. Which I feel is, like, very weird, because every other holiday, it doesn't, it doesn't invoke anything out of me, like Halloween does. Maybe it's an inner child thing I have to unpack in therapy, but it's just, there's something about Halloween that hits different than every other holiday. I mean, New Year's is kind of becoming a second of mine, second favorite of mine, as I move into my mid-twenties, which is so fucking weird to say. I had a realization that I'm really turning 26 this year, and don't even want to think about it. I know it's not that old, but for someone who didn't expect to live this long, it's, um, yeah. Didn't think I would make my mid-twenties, but here I am. Guess that's something to celebrate. Anyways. Gonna be unpacking the Royal Rumble this episode. Um, if you follow me on social media, or if you listen to the episodes before I went on break, you would be aware of the fact that I went to AEW Dynamite in Fresno, and if you didn't know, now you know, we're unpacking that. I will do the story time version, because I posted the vlog on the YouTube channel, which I did post other videos on the YouTube channel while I was on break. Because I was bored and had the time. So it wasn't necessarily a break from doing this. But it was a break from doing this. I mainly focused on the YouTube channel. Since I had promised it for so long and never delivered. But um, it's an easier process than I expected it to be. So um, now I got a list of YouTube videos I plan on doing. And... Since I did watch 12 years, now 13 years worth of Royal Rumbles, I plan on ranking them all. So expect that video on the channel. But what you may have missed on the YouTube channel, my vlog from AEW Dynamite. I was, um, again, at the Fresno show. I ranked my 2022 favorite horror movies. And my most anticipated horror movies. I reacted to the Evil Dead Rise trailer. There was there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. But, um... Yeah. I'm probably gonna sum up that horror video because it is an hour long. I didn't expect it to be an hour long. But I, I just committed... To it, and there it was. So yeah, I'll probably sum that up in the horror section because I've got a theory about Scream Six that I definitely want to unpack as well too. Um, I do want to say that if you have been listening since the beginning i have had a pseudo beef with tony khan because when i first started watching aew there was like no love for the west coast but the beef has the pseudo beef it's not real cuz i don't know this man but i just called it beef because it was easier than saying i'm upset that there were no west coast states but um the beef is now Seared. It is seared, served, medium rare, 
with mashed potatoes on the side. It's done. It's over with. Um, and also just other shit that was happening in the wrestling community while I was gone as well, too. So, and the fact that I'm going to another wrestling show this weekend that I completely like, it's not that I didn't forget. It's just, I have this thing where I know that I'm doing things. And even if I write it down a million times, I don't realize that it's happening. So, I'm going to a West Coast Pro show this Saturday in Sacramento, and it is, I'm going to unpack that as well, too. So, there we go. So, I would just like to take a minute to talk about Jay Briscoe, because... While I wasn't hugely immersed in the history of the Briscoes and their matches and their legacy in Ring of Honor, the small bit that I did see, they definitely stuck out the most. Because I did go on like a mini binge back in 2017 just to immerse myself with something else other than WWE at the time. And so, while I didn't finish that binge, they definitely stuck out to me, and it was definitely the matches with FTR that made me a fan. And so, it hurts. I didn't think it would hurt, because, like, I, I, you, we don't know these people personally. But I'm not going to pretend like this doesn't fucking hurt. Because it's just... He seemed like he was such a good guy. Like, even going back to immerse himself in the LGBT community to, like, learn and grow after those homophobic comments came out. Like... That just says so much about his character. And even the fact that their catchphrase is literally a quote from Toy Story, like, reach for the sky, boy, that's that's what Woody said in Toy Story. And then just... Honestly, the fact that Mark went out... A week later on Dynamite. The first time any Briscoe has ever been on AEW television programming. To wrestle on his brother's birthday. To pass literally the week before. Like that is... That says a lot about those two and their character. Because... Man... And it actually, I think it hurt more because he passed literally the day before I went to AEW Dynamite. It was very weird and was very bittersweet knowing the vibe and I'm going to unpack it when I do get to my story time. But for something that was put together very last minute, the tribute show that I didn't even know was going to happen was very beautiful. It was very well put together under the circumstances. Um, It was a beautiful surprise, and I'm really glad that they were able to do something before Mark got to honor his brother. Because... Boy, does this suck. This definitely sucks. Like, I never thought I would have to, um, experience the passing of two wrestlers in my lifetime. Well, a couple wrestlers, but just, like, in my generation of what I'm currently watching. Like, Brody Lee and... Jay Briscoe. It's very weird. It's very... 
surreal. But um, at the end of the episode, I do plan on watching the FTR and Briscoe's dog collar match because I didn't get to see it. I never got that chance to go back and um, watch Final Battle, and this was really the only match I wanted to see, and I'm glad that YouTube has it because I definitely feel like this is what... I should be doing to honor him instead of being upset about it. Like, cause I'm never not gonna be upset about it, but it's just probably best to honor him this way. So yeah, I have that tab open for later, but now I'm just gonna get into my experience at AEW Dynamite. So, my AEW Dynamite excursion, if you will. It was fun. It was definitely different. It felt more like an actual wrestling show than it did, like, WWE. Because WWE definitely focuses more on entertainment. I feel like that's a given, but... As someone who's been to WWE events and and now an AEW event, there is a huge contrast, a huge difference. You could definitely feel that there is a different vibe at a WWE show than an AEW show. Um, but I still had fun regardless. Coming from someone who just fucking complained that Tony Khan hated the West Coast. Didn't do any shows on the West Coast, let alone Northern California. I can now shut the fuck up. And I can now say that the pseudo beef with Tony Khan is now over. It is seared. It is served with the side of mashed potatoes it is done especially after hearing the lengths that he went to to get mark briscoe on aew television to honor his brother and to hear what he did behind the scenes to help the family like it is just yeah no the pseudo beef is over like it's just it's done we're on good terms now that I've finally gone to an AEW show. No, it is... Honestly, that's crazy to think about. That is crazy to think about. Because I really did start this podcast complaining about how there was no West Coast feed of Dynamite. There were no West Coast dates. They only toured the fucking East Coast. And the first time they came to the West Coast, it was Los Angeles. That is called character development. That is called growth right there. And this story time is not actually the story time you think it is. Because nothing really out of the ordinary happened. Like, if you watch my vlog, you kind of already know what happened. Like, I just, I got up that morning and drove. Got up that morning, got coffee, got gas, drove down to Fresno, which was like three hours away. Checked into my hotel, got ready, went to the venue, got me a beer before I went to my seat, and if you've never been to a wrestling show before, I will say, you have been Pavloved, because you, not only have you been Pavloved, you have been spoiled, because... We're used to hearing the commentators, 24-7, 365, however frequently you watch wrestling 
on television, you're hearing the commentators on a frequent basis. When you go to a wrestling show, you don't hear any of the commentary. Unless you are sitting near the commentators, if you're lucky, but there's no commentary. You just hear what is going on in the ring. You hear the wrestlers. You hear the chants from everybody else, but it is just, it's very weird because it's like, you get hype when the entrance comes out and then while they're wrestling, it's like dead silent unless somebody's starting a chant. It's, it's, it's like you just sit there and watch them like you do on TV, but it's just, it's different because there's no commentators and you're watching it from one angle, especially when you see the cameraman because the cameraman that being at Hell in a Cell in person and like watching the cameras and the cameramen that kind of ruined the fiend for me seeing how they make him look creepy with the camera work it's just it's yeah but i'm not saying i didn't have any fun whatsoever it's just so vastly different than what you see on television like, what you don't see is that the commentators all get their own entrances. Like, Taz came out to his theme song. Jim Ross came out to his theme song. Because the way that they do the tapings for AEW, it's dark or dark elevation. At least at my show, I got dark elevation. Then they do Dynamite, and then they do Rampage. But in the case of my show, they also did the Jay Briscoe Celebration of Life after Rampage. So I unexpectedly got a Ring of Honor show. So I can technically say that I've also been to a Ring of Honor show as well, too. Because that happened at the very end after everything. So, I get my beer, go to my seat, I watch... AEW Dark, from what I can remember on the top of my head, The Butcher and the Blade were coming out right when I got to my seat. Um, definitely remember, remember seeing The Dark Order versus The Wingmen. Emi Sakura was there. Dark Order. And Roosh and Preston Vance. There's just a lot of, like, there's just a lot of, we don't have much for you on Dynamite or Rampage, but we'll still let you show your stuff. But I feel like, I feel like Dark and Dark Elevation is better in person than it is, like, watching it on a regular basis. That's kind of also how I feel with NXT, because I probably cannot watch either of those on a regular basis. But as being someone in attendance, maybe I can get behind it. But I appreciate Dark and Dark Elevation more now that I've actually seen it in person. Then, once that ended, they set it up for Dynamite. If you saw last week, it was Orange Cassidy and... Jay Lethal for the title. And then it was Top Flight and Young Bucks and Daniel or Brian Danielson and Bandito. Which those two those last two matches were just as good in person as they were on television. Then I believe it was Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm, and then it was Kushida versus Darby Allen, which I didn't really it's not that I didn't care that Kushida was there. I just don't care for Darby Allen. He bores me to death, if I'm being honest. And then... It's very nice to see Danhausen and the best friends. You will not see me in that episode of Dynamite, by the way. 
that you you won't see me in any of the crowd shots because I tend to buy tickets. At least in my experience, I tend to buy tickets behind the camera. So, if the camera's facing the ring, I'm probably in the section directly behind that. So, you won't probably will not find me. But it was still fun nonetheless. It just sucks because, like, depending on what angle you're sitting at, you don't get to see everything, which is why I actually had to go back and rewatch that episode to see what I missed from the angle I was at. But if you did miss it, I did post a vlog of um, all of the footage that I managed to get. And I was shocked that I was able to get all of that footage because my phone was on 35% by the time I got to that venue. It was on 5% by the time the night ended. And it died right when I got to my hotel. My phone died right when I got to my hotel, so I was like, the timing of that was fucking impeccable. But, after Dynamite was Rampage, and it was... so Okay, so there's moments that I thought were cheesy while watching AEW that were actually so fun in person, so definitely seeing Chris Jericho's theme song in person. Cheesy as fuck, but fun in person. Singing along to Jungle Boy's theme song. Cheesy as fuck, but fun in person. Now, I got to see Eddie Kingston not once but twice that night so I was very pleased and happy because he had the segment with Ortiz on Rampage and then he had a whole ass match with QT Marshall on the Jay Briscoe tribute so that was fun then Adam Cole showed up randomly and I wasn't expecting Adam Cole to show up, but then I realized he was also in a Ring of Honor original, so there was that. The main event of that was also Claudio and Christopher Daniels for the Ring of Honor title. That was also something awesome that happened. Athena was also there. Wheeler Yuta wrestled. That was the first match of the night for the Jay Briscoe. I wouldn't say the first match of the night, but the first match of the Jay Briscoe Celebration of Life. But from the top of my head, that is everything. I'm sorry it wasn't the story time you expected, but the vlog is up if you want visuals. And I probably will vlog the next two shows that I go to as well, too. Because it was fun. Also, I just realized my the one thing I do hate about vlogs is it just... I, do, I don't want to take video... I, when it comes to taking videos and shit while I'm in the venue, it just looks so weird to be talking to my phone... While I'm walking around and there are people around me. So. Yeah. It's, it's just. It's weird. It's so weird. Um, but yeah. I will be. There will be. Uh, vlogs on the YouTube channel for. Dynamite and Sack. And West Coast Pro. Also in Sack. And I will also still be ranking WWE entrance themes 
that's still on my list. There's no real reason for the delay. It's just been on my list forever, and I've been lazy. I do also plan to rank horror franchises as well, too, to just bump up some more horror content. Um, might try my hand at some WWE quizzes to see what I can find on the Google Sphere for that. Um, I also might rank some returns because I watched some compilations during my hiatus. And I want to rank John Cena's returns and I want to rank Edge's returns because there was a reason I left them out of my ranking WWE returns video because I feel like their returns individually and respectively are just need to be ranked on their own lists, on their own tier. And there were also some dream matches that, while I went on my Royal Rumble retrospective, I was like, I wonder if these people ever went one-on-one. So, that is, I'm gonna go, um, watch some of those matches as well, too. Not tonight, but those matches I will Probably, I'll probably do that after I rank the Royal Rumble since it's under that category. And then I will probably go back to watching NXT TakeOvers until WrestleMania for subscribers because when WrestleMania comes around, plan on watching WrestleMania main events for the two weeks leading up to the big day, WrestleMania. And in between, like, those theme things that I have planned, I will probably be watching NXT TakeOvers. Uh, so I don't get, like, too bored, you know, of doing the same thing over and over. But, um, those are just some content updates. And... One last thing, though. I thought this was a really cool idea since I was born in 1997, right? Turning 26 this year. I thought for my birthday week, or at least like the two weeks leading up to my birthday, however long it's going to take, I would go back and watch WWE pay-per-views from 1997. I thought that was a cool and funky idea. That's my plan. Those are your updates. And now everybody is caught up. Now, I'm not even gonna really unpack the Vince McMahon bullshit that happened in the recent past. Because I feel like... It's obvious how I feel about that. He's a fucking idiot. And... If anybody needs to kick the bucket soon... I would put him on the list, but you didn't hear that from me. Uh. And then Mercedes to New Japan. Exciting. That's something that she definitely deserves. For real. But, um. I want to talk about the Royal Rumble retrospective for those who aren't aware of what the fuck that I did. Um, take a hit every time I say um, because I'm pretty fucking faded, if I'm being quite honest. But the Royal Rumble retrospective, I impulsively decided to just go back and watch Royal Rumble matches from 2010 to the most recent one at the time was 2022, before yesterday. Um... Which you can watch that, or not watch, but listen to that live watch for free. It's free for everybody, since I watched 12 years of Royal Rumble for subscribers. It was just, it was very impulsive. I didn't think I was going to actually finish it, but...
before the 23 Rumble. But I did. And it was actually very fun. It was a very interesting little time capsule. Not only of WWE, but for myself. And I'm not going to go into detail because we. I'm trying not to get like too personal on the podcast. But it's just realizing where I was in life during some of these rumbles was an eye-opener for sure. Very mind-blowing, if you will. But I will say that my favorites were 2012, 2013, 2016, and 2018. And I think liking the 2012 Rumble is controversial, but I feel like Sheamus winning. I like... I like that they had Sheamus win that. 2013. I think it was just a good match. And the way that it played out flowed perfectly. 2016 just for the chaos. Because... I kept forgetting that it was not only a Royal Rumble match, but a championship match as well, too. So, whoever won the Royal Rumble was also the WWE champion. And while I don't agree with who won the 2016 Rumble, um, that concept, I liked it. They should do it again. What they should never do again is a 40-man Rumble, because that took forever. That's probably the longest one I had to sit through, and I fucking... That was annoying. That was annoying and stressful. And... Why did he have to win? Why the fuck did he have to win, of all people? Be so fucking for real with me. And then 2018, because the winners were perfect, Shinsuke and Asuka, and it was the first women's rumble, and it was possibly the best one out of all of them, minus 2016. But um, I do plan to rank them all here soon on YouTube. So I can do, like, my full unpacking of how I feel about each rumble. But I only started at 2010 because that's when I started watching WWE. And that's why going back and watching all of those Royal Rumbles were weird. Because when... Because that time frame, it was, like, maybe 6th or 7th grade for me. Or maybe both, maybe it was like 6th going on 7th grade. And to think that I'm sitting here almost 26 years old, still high as fuck. Well, not not still high as fuck, but still watching wrestling. I Honest to God, I don't think I started smoking weed until I was in high school. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't start smoking weed until I was in high school. I definitely meant... Started watching wrestling in middle school, but I'm still watching it at almost damn near 26. That's crazy to think about. So that's one reason why going back and watching all of those was weird. But to see how many people were in WWE at that time who were either still with the company, not with the company... Or just in AEW. Like even. The. 2019 to 2020 rumbles. Were very awkward. To watch. I'll probably. Probably unpack those. When I do the ranking. But. It was very weird to watch rumbles. With people who were 
are now in AEW or aren't in any company whatsoever. And I was actually really upset that The Miz never won a Royal Rumble. But I was even more upset that Dolph Ziggler fucking broke his streak of Royal Rumble appearances. Because he was in every single Royal Rumble except 2013. I was actually really heartbroken that his streak got broken. Because I didn't see Dolph at all. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that this year's Royal Rumble was just a hot-ass mess. Because it could have been so much better if they had just let everything be a surprise, but that's just me. Now, some cliff notes about my Royal Rumble binge that I wanted to talk about um the character development of randy orton because that man was probably public enemy number one the most hated man in america in 2009 and 2010 but the character growth as each rumble went on was actually nice to see and then the 2020, 2021 Rumble, I can't fucking talk, where he almost had it. And then which one did he win again? 2017? He won the 2017 Rumble, I believe. I could be lying, because I did lie and say that Seth Rollins had never won a Royal Rumble, but... To be fair, I did block out the entirety of 2019 as a whole, so it definitely was not on, not in my subconscious, I should say. John Cena as a full-time competitor, I wish we could wish we still had that. I wish, I wish he wasn't some big-time Hollywood actor because I miss John Cena as just a regular, full-time competitor. The nostalgia I got every time I would hear his theme music hit. Like, and even in the 2018 Rumble where it was just the standoff between legends and generations. Like, Man. And it's I know it's controversial to like AJ Styles' Royal Rumble debut, but someone who was only familiar with his TNA work, I feel like the way he made his debut and showed up, that was perfect. That was That was nice. I don't get why people thought his debut was stupid. Edge and Naomi definitely had the biggest reactions every single time they came out. And then Edge, I think, won the Rumble like a decade after his initial return and Royal Rumble win. So that was kind of cool to see history repeat itself, like, within a decade. But again, I will dig into it further when I rank all of the rumbles, because now, before I actually get into the Royal Rumble, I do want to unpack this Scream 6 theory that I have, because if I don't do it now, I will definitely forget for sure. Since I've been watching Royal Rumble matches for the past two weeks, I haven't really been watching horror movies and catching up on horror movies. And um, 
for those who pretty much missed my horror rankings or just want a too long didn't read version, I, from what I can remember, I think I ranked Barbarian as like one of my favorite horror movies of last year. And then there are a couple of the movies that I put in my most anticipated or most intriguing horror movies of 2023 that I wanted to see. Um, Skinnamarink is about to hit Shudder here soon, and it's been taken over the internet, and I have wanted to see it ever since I've heard about it. Like, it's just one of those the less I know the better type movies, and that's what I like. The less context I have, the better. That's why I enjoyed Barbarian so much, because I didn't do any prior research. I didn't watch any sort of trailer going into this movie. All I knew was that it was just about a fucked up Airbnb before I watched it. But it turned out to be so much more than that. And I finally, after months of saying it on the podcast, I finally watched Pearl and I finally watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Both were really fucking good. The the latter of the two was actually really fucking funny. Like, whoever wrote the script to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was A1. Pearl, that bitch is crazy as fuck. I would not want to come across Pearl ever in my life. I don't know what I would do. I really don't know what I would do if I had to encounter that bitch. I also managed to watch the Hellraiser remake finally because that... That took me forever simply for the fact that I just didn't have Hulu. But, um, I got Hulu. And it was better than I expected. Kind of hope they don't do a sequel to that because I feel like the way that the story was told and the way they wrapped it up, it was just fine. Um, unexpected one that I didn't think was going to be good, but actually turned out to be really good, was Smile. I thought it was a stupid idea for a horror movie, but then I watched it, and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, no, this is, um... It was kind of like Malignant, where it was just boring until the last 20 or 30 minutes. And then it's kind of like, damn. It's literally like Malignant, and It Follows had a baby. And then, I actually posted a trailer reaction to one of my most anticipated horror movies of 2023. Well, it's actually, it's actually just one of my most anticipated movies of 2023. It's Evil Dead Rise. I um, posted a trailer reaction, but I knew this shit was going to be good, trailer or not, because I read that... They, it was going to go straight to HBO Max. Like, it was going to be an HBO Max release, not, like, same-day theater release. They did a test screening. And the test screening did so well that they just said, put it in theaters. So, that's a sign that it's good. And I think they did that for this... Stephen King movie that's coming out, The Boogeyman, I think they did some test screenings of it, and now it's, like, the test screenings did so fucking well that they're gonna put it in theaters. And also some horror news that I didn't talk about, because it's not really, like, horror movie news, so I didn't really put it in my horror video, but, um... It's been a long-ass time since we got anything Friday the 13th related, and I saw that they are doing a prequel TV show for Peacock, and I am so fucking excited because as much as I have mixed feelings about the remake, Friday the 13th is the franchise that got me into horror movies, so I'm gonna take what I can get.
in terms of Friday the 13th, considering that there just hasn't been anything since 2009, since the remake. But the main thing I really wanted to talk about in terms of horror was my Scream 6 theory that Cotton Weary is Ghostface. And I've seen theories that everybody else is putting out there. They think that Stu is Ghostface. He's the one behind everything. But I do not think that it is Stu at all. And it makes more sense that it would be Cotton Weary because... Billy and Stu framed Cotton for the murder of Sydney's mom. And I feel like that's enough of a motive to go after. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Scream 5. All of the kids are related to the people in the original trilogy, if you didn't already know that. So... I feel like that should be motive enough to want to go after the kids. Like, you were framed for a murder that you didn't commit. You are egotistical and cocky as fuck. You don't know how to let go of a grudge. At least that's what I read from his character from my many times watching the Scream movies. I'm not saying that I'm a Scream expert, and I'm not saying that Scream is my favorite franchise, but I've seen the Scream movies enough times to where this theory probably makes the most sense. Because being framed for murder, I feel like that would set anybody off. And then the fact, like, he profited off of that and he got, like, his own talk show. In Scream 3, I believe. He got his own talk show. And then, even in Scream 2, he was trying to convince Sydney to do something. Like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think he was trying to convince her to go on, like, Diane Sawyer or some sort of interview to talk about what happened. And pretty much anybody that he could get revenge on is dead and I feel like this is just yet another way another extreme way for Cotton to prove his innocence it's not probably the smartest way for him to prove his innocence but it's just he Cotton Weary just seems like the type to have something to prove and then we never saw Cotton die. We never saw Cotton Weary die. Because right when Ghostface delivered that final blow, it was a Scream 6 title card. Because who knows where the fuck that man got stabbed. He could be... It could be a Kirby-type situation. Because Kirby got stabbed and left for dead in Scream 4. She survived her stabbing. And now she's coming back for Scream 5. And another spoiler alert, if they can bring Billy back in flashbacks, there's nothing that says Cotton Weary definitely can't come back if Billy brought, got brought back in flashbacks and... Billy got brought back in flashbacks, and what the fuck was it? I just lost that train of thought that fast. God, this weed is good. If I'm, like, drawing blanks that fast. Kirby. Kirby got brought back and survived her stabbing. And then, the way that he's sp- The way that Ghostface spoke to Gail on the phone was very reminiscent of how he was pushing Sydney to do Diane Sawyer. Like... He said he's not like the other ghost face, ghost faces. He's different, which is very weird and egotistical to say. It sounds like something Cotton Weary would just say in general. So, 
And he's the only one that could probably put that shrine together. If not the detective from Scream 3. Who knows? Who knows? Mark Kincaid, that's his name, I believe. The one Sydney's married to. Yes, Kiki. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, no, I feel like Cotton Weary's the only one that can put that shrine together because there's a scene in the Scream 6 trailer where there's just a shrine to Ghostface and all of his victims. Like, it looked like this Ghostface had gotten, like, everybody's... Like, it was a fucking museum to Ghostface. Like, a true crime museum to Ghostface. And you're gonna tell me Cotton Weary wouldn't try his hand at being Ghostface? Considering what he's been through? Like, Ghostface took just as much from Cotton Weary as they did Sydney and Gail and everybody. Like, come on. It makes so much more sense than Stu being Ghostface. And... You can shoot me in the foot, have me struck by lightning if Stu ends up being Ghostface. But it just makes more sense for Cotton Weary to be Ghostface. Especially since the Ghostface does look buff as fuck in this movie. For real. So, you're gonna go look at the actor who plays Cotton Weary and tell me that man is not buff as fuck. He was in a Wolverine movie. Ray Donovan. He, he's the guy that played Ray Donovan. feel like he had to be buff for that. So, it adds up. It adds up. Now, it's time to unpack whatever the 2023 Royal Rumble was. And I'm not saying that it was a bad Rumble. It was just very predictable. And if you listen to the live watch, you can definitely hear me get less and less excited as the night progresses. And that's partly because I am definitely stoned as fuck by the time it's over. But it's just the predictability of it all. Because I feel that I predicted the entire show except... Kevin and Roman, because I had a theory for Kevin and Roman that worked out if the order of the matches was different, but since they started with the men's rumble, it just ruined my theory for the Kevin and Roman match, so I was kind of just like, well, damn. But... I will say that's something I thought they were going to do at WrestleMania. That's really something I thought was going to happen at WrestleMania. Because I feel like it just made them. It would have hit different if Sammy had betrayed Roman during his big championship match with Cody. Rather than after a Royal Rumble pay-per-view. But I I get it. Like, after it's taken some time to settle in, I understand why they did it. But, like, the way they told that story, though... Let me not get ahead of myself. But... Because I, I want to go in order, but... It kind of just felt like four hours of... Well... Here you go. This is what you got. This is what we're going to give you for the next four hours. Because there were some matches that definitely could have happened on episodes of Raw or SmackDown. Um, But I get that they needed to fill some time in between. And I definitely feel like... Going forward, the Royal Rumble should just be... I don't think there should be any other matches at the Royal Rumble besides the Royal Rumble match. Because that's all people really 
watch it for. That's all people really care to see is the Royal Rumble match. Like, the matches in between definitely could have happened on, like, Raw or SmackDown. Kevin and Roman, I can see happening at the Royal Rumble, but, like, the other two, those could have definitely happened on Raw or SmackDown. And I really thought that it was weird that the men's rumble started the show because it's usually the main event. But that was also because I had just spent two weeks watching 12 years of Royal Rumbles. So I was kind of used to it being the main event. So I'm just like, oh yeah, the men's rumble is definitely going to main event the 2023 rumble. Because that's just how it's been. But then it opened the show. That kind of fucked me up because I had this theory that if Kevin and Roman had fought for the title prior to the men's Royal Rumble match Kevin was definitely going to lose and I had him entering the Rumble the same night to eventually win and face Roman at Wrestlemania and then have the bloodline be betrayed by Sammy at Wrestlemania either during or after the championship match with Kevin. But they started the night with the Men's Royal Rumble, so that kind of fucked up all of my theories. But, man, fucking Gunther entering at number one and going until the very end. Same with Rhea entering at number one and going on to win the goddamn thing. Like, that is fucking insane. And I was still mad that Cody Rhodes announced his return prior to everything because I feel like the moment would have been so much better if nobody knew he was showing up. Like, it was so obvious that everybody expected Cody to return by the Royal Rumble. It was beyond obvious that he was returning by the Royal Rumble. But could you imagine if they had never done promos for his return? They had never announced his return. It was just a surprise 30 entrant. Like, even though we knew it was going to be Cody, I feel like the entrance definitely would have hit different if we just didn't know Cody was showing up. Like, we expected it. But to not know and have him show up and win the damn thing, it would have been so much better. Like, the element of surprise was just taken away. And it was the element of surprise that was taken away that kind of took away from the match for me, personally. And I was kind of disappointed with the men's rumble this year. Especially when, like, fucking Logan Paul was one of the surprises. But Logan Paul really only disappointed me until that spot with Ricochet where they both kind of went after each other with the same move. And then just that that impact was... Damn. Damn. Um... The pitch black match was only, like, cool to look at. It was definitely something that could have happened on SmackDown. But I like the idea of having wrestlers wrestle under a black light or having, like, more neon matches. Like, the, the, if we could have gotten... Anytime somebody wrestled Naomi, it should have been under a black light. Like, for real. That would have been sick as fuck. But while the pitch black match was, like, cool to look at, it definitely sucked. It was not the best. Same with Alexa and Bianca. Like, they could have done so much better. And I definitely feel like everybody's time was, like, allotted or cut simply for the bloodline shit at the end of the pay-per-view. Which was fair, but... 
Alexa Bianca definitely could have happened on an episode of Monday Night Raw and not the Royal Rumble. But I was 100% right about the Uncle Howdy presence. I knew there was going to be a heavy Uncle Howdy presence at the Royal Rumble. Whether it was a reveal or just a tease, there was a heavy Uncle Howdy presence, for real. And I love it when I'm right. I think I guessed the card, like, word for word. Like, I got every match right. Because there were, there were some matches I said could go either way. I definitely said that Kevin and Roman could go either way, but it was more realistic for Roman to retain. I said that Bianca was not losing her titles until WrestleMania. Her title until WrestleMania. Bray was obviously going to win. And Cody Rhodes, that was a, a given that he was going to win. And then Cody. Cody and Rhea winning, winning the respective Rumbles. Expected. A given. But one thing that didn't happen that I low-key expected was Rhea entering the men's Rumble. I thought they were going to have a spot like that in the women in the men's rumble, but sadly they did not. Something else I did find weird about the Royal Rumble 2 was that the NXT Women's Champion got eliminated and wasn't the Iron Woman for NXT. Like, didn't end up in the Final Four or anything. Got eliminated so fast. But... Zoe Stark lasted longer than the NXT Women's Champion, which is very fucking weird to me. Because I feel like, like, no offense to Zoe Stark, because she definitely showed out in the Women's Rumble. I just feel like it would have made more sense as, like, the NXT Women's Champion to last longer in the Rumble. Like, be one of the final four, at least. Because we saw that she could last in the Iron Woman Challenge on that one episode of NXT. But I will say, as much as Roman and Kevin, as stressful as, a, like, I was so tense during that. And as much as I wanted the bloodline portrayal to happen at WrestleMania, I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was executed perfectly. I thought it was just, that was, that was a perfect ending. And I'm kind of excited kind of excited to see how it's gonna play out, especially since Jay walked out on the bloodline, not just Sammy, but Jay too. But I will say, Kevin and Sammy in the Women's Rumble were definitely my favorite matches of the night, especially since Michelle McCool entered the match from the crowd. I don't think she knew she was participating. I don't know if anybody knew she was participating, but that was fucking sick. I did like the that NXT showed out in the Women's Rumble in general, regardless of how long uh, Roxanne was in the match, NXT showed out in the Women's Rumble, and it was by far better than the Men's Rumble, in my humble opinion. Before I watch the dog collar match, I do want to briefly go over my favorite matches from Dynamite the past two weeks. Um, I do like that the Jericho Appreciation Society are choosing new targets. I do like the feud with Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. I just don't like Sammy Guevara. That's my only complaint. And my only complaint about Dynamite, honestly, was that there was no John Moxley and that there was no Jamie Hayter. So my only two complaints, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to see them at the Dynamite after Rampage. So I'm not too upset.
Um, my favorite matches are like the best matches in my opinion from the past two weeks of AEW Dynamite and Rampage combined. Um, Top Flight and the Young Bucks, Danielson and Bandito, Danielson and Brian Cage, Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal, Emi Sakura and Jamie Hayter. Like, I feel like those matches speak for themselves, especially since like from bell to bell, Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal, I was crying. I was in tears. I didn't care. I was straight up ugly crying. And then Emi Sakura versus Jamie Hayter. Like, Jamie Hayter is, honest to God, one of the best women's wrestlers out there right now. Nobody's on her level. Like, there's a reason that when she became champion, they had to take the interim off. Because who the fuck is going to beat Jamie Hayter for that title? Who? Who? Be so fucking for real, for real with me right now. Who?